Now is your time to flinch. What up everybody and welcome back to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I am your moderator, B. Jones, and today's podcast, we're going to be getting into some more work-related topics such as the rat race, um, you know, the glass ceiling you may be dealing with in your career, and then, you know, deciphering the difference or what may work best for you as far as embracing and going with certain changes in your workplace versus creating certain change and going about things your own way. But before we get into all that, I want to remind all of our listeners, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you're making that investment into getting out of your comfort zone and onto your purpose-driven life. So as you're hitting that subscribe button and making that investment, I want to go ahead and introduce my guys. Today we got Faison. What's happening? What's happening, everybody? Uh, again, as always, thank you so much for listening again, uh, wherever you are at the gym, in your house, um, in the car. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, leaving comments, letting us know what you think. And we'll go forth from there. Let's get it. So much love coming from Faison. So much love. We got our beloved intern, Jay Dace. What's happening? Hey, what's going on, beautiful people? All right, all right. And El Fresh Dente himself, DJ Barry B. Fresh. Yes, sir. Always in the building. Well, I'm back in the building, but we here. We living. We live. We ready. Y'all ready? Let's go. Let's go. Coach K, the prolific one. Carol Kadaya, what's going on? What is happening, my man? Not too much. Not too much, man. So before we jump into the meat of the podcast, um, has everybody seen the Shea Moisture commercial yet? That made me stop oh, using my oh, yeah. favorite uh, uh um so I don't cocoa butter. I don't know what's going on in 2017 with these controversial commercials, man. First we had Pepsi, now we got Shea Moisture, and I mean you got some people that's trying to throw shots at the Heineken commercial, but I, I I'm really more partial to the Heineken of of the three. But Shea Moisture, come on, man! I don't understand what happened. I feel like they just alienated a their 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 core segment when it came to who they market their products to with this commercial, man. And I think uh, if it's one thing that you do not want to do to an African-American woman is make them feel disrespected because they possibly just lost a huge amount of money and following from the people who buy their products the most with this commercial. And it's sad because like, even in the commercial, I wouldn't be mad if I saw like a red hat with really curly hair. Okay, well, you know, maybe she's you know, got a little Irish in her. It works out. But they picked the most straight, <laughs> non-curl, non-frizz. And she got a long segment. It wasn't like she was just there for a clip. Like she got airtime. And it was just, it, it's, I don't understand. Right, man. And it's like, I don't like none of, well, to me, None of the people who got most of the airplay are the actual ones using the product. And then at the end of the commercial, when you bring in the uh, the Brady Bunch squares or whatnot, you have your darker skinned African-American woman as the centerpiece. But she had no part, no words in the commercial. And it, it just could have been done so much better. And on top of that, the CEO of Shea Moisture, the apology that he put out was just so unprofessional. When you start the apology, by saying, yeah, I know we effed up. What do you... <laughs> exactly. You're already putting yourself in the worst position possible. Um, I, I think he definitely realized their, their uh, 
lack of sensitivity towards what is their their the the core of their product it was definitely um strange and interesting to watch it unfold how you would assume a product that literally has you know been like they stated the owner stated when he initially created it that it was for you know being able to bring african-american products to like the forefront and getting it from the back aisles of target or that special section and saying hey it's it's just a hair product and it's really uh interesting watching how he dropped the ball and really dropped the opportunity of being able to keep his core alive and and, and well so i I want to jump in because i don't know if you all saw his interview on the breakfast club was this before or after the commercial this is after the commercial and this is after the apology so he has a he had an interview and for one i didn't know shea moisture has been out around for 25 years yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i used to use it yeah. my wife's a, a big fan of shea moisture right he said what they were trying to do is that now that there, <clears throat> excuse me now that there are so many other people in the game they're trying to expand their audience which listen any corporation is going to do that they're going to try to expand and he also said that the commercial did not go through its normal approval process so it got put out before everybody that was supposed to see it got a chance to look at it and approve it now maybe that's made up who knows i would have definitely had somebody i would, I would have definitely had somebody be the sacrificial lamb that's what that's what the big that's what the big boys do but at the same time i'm going to take a different spin on it because now we're going to drop out and we're going to stop supporting this brand and they actually donate millions of dollars to the african-american community and they have scholarships and all these things so when you stop supporting them what are you ultimately doing to that same core group now what's going to happen so look i I understand there's a harm is a foul and we need to we need to voice that but at the same time you don't want this to be where this company now just disappears and now okay what where is this african-american-owned company that produces this product that's a pretty good point man because i i i I will say that i did not take into consideration anything that they were doing outside of the business so you know if they are as influential in the communities of african-americans i do think that it is worth a second consideration before you know we just pull all of our dollars and all of our, our purchasing power away from that company but I still find it hard to believe even that answer on the Breakfast Club, you know, I mean, and I looked into it, their VP of marketing is someone who may not have had uh, the the right eye when it came to okaying this commercial. And I'm pretty sure enough people who were supposed to see it did see it, even if it didn't get to the CEO. So who... Who thought it was such a great idea? You know, that's the question that I, I think I would well, like to hit, have answered. It's no different than the Pepsi commercial that it wasn't anybody thinking past the expansion of, hey, you know what? We feel that we really have a tight hold on our core, uh, you know, uh, um, patrons. Mm-hmm. However, now we really want to be able to expand. And all it was was them thinking it was a, a great way to expand and show that hey 
this product that everybody um, may assume is only for African-Americans is actually, you know, great product for anybody. They just did a horrible job of figuring out how to display that message. However, you know, especially taking into consideration what Kay just brought to the table, I think that the fact that with the immediate backlash, they even though they've been slick to the, the, the way that they're answering some of the questions, they still stood up, admitted that they were wrong and said that they, you know, want to make a change the right way. And so I commend any company that's able to, in that immediate impact, be able to go ahead, stand up, say, hey, we were wrong. I don't think necessarily how they described how wrong they were, uh, but just the, the fact that they were able to, to stand up and say something and, and look to make it right. That speaks volumes, especially with the uh, history of what they've done already. So it was a campaign that they were trying to push. Like they said in the commercial, um, everybody gets love. So they were trying to say, um, while while African-American women, they struggle with hair. But they were try- I guess they were trying to push like all women struggle with hair products. And it's like, I get that. But they missed. I think they missed a big target because it's like. Yes, all women may struggle with hair products, but African American women, it's an entirely different struggle. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like okay, uh, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was supposed to be a redhead as they used in the commercial. It's like, it was like I didn't, I just look in the mirror and it's like I don't know what I need to do with my hair today. It's like black women, they could do something to their hair and they can step outside, and what they did can be completely undone. So it's that's an entirely different struggle, um, and I, I don't think that they meant to put that out there like that but it's just like it's i think that they did a horrible job in presenting it in a sense i understand the concept everybody gets love and everybody does deserve love all women struggle with hair products but it does seem like they took away from um, african-american women so before i go to uk i you made a good point it was supposed to be a campaign right so if this is supposed to be a campaign and you want to diversify which is good for any business how is this commercial the first commercial that you put out why isn't the people or why aren't the people who struggle with hair and its its acceptance in society the most why aren't they highlighted first so that way you know uh you you get their perspective on it like it's highlighted you know like i don't understand how you you have these caucasian women these white women and they're talking about you know i struggle with being a redhead or whatever like but I think it kind of, and I'm, I may be biased, but it pales in comparison. So this is what I, this is what I'll say just real quick art. And I'll let you jump in before I even say what I was going to say originally, but unless any of you have been a non-black woman with red hair or blonde hair, we cannot speak to their struggle the same way that they can't speak to the struggle of African-American women. We don't know what they go through to maintain their hair or to thicken their hair or whatever it is. So you kind of can't really say, and I think that was part of the campaign was putting out products for every hairstyle and and, and person uh, to help strengthen their hair or, or whatever it is they want to accomplish. Go ahead, Art. Um, so yeah, so I think the first thing that Brett asked about was the, the commercial and their first one for their campaign. Target did one with them a long time ago. This is probably like eight months to almost a year and a half ago, um, where they moved them. Like he, like he said, they moved them from the ethnic aisle 
to the main aisle and that was that first initial we do product for everyone um but it didn't go off like they went to i'm assuming but they were pushing our product i mean you go from have two or three per shelf to actually having your own section on the shelf and it was always prominently displayed in target if you go in there it's right in the front when you walk in um so so they they made the right move they just decided to televise it nationally the wrong way unfortunately um but on the other point that i was going to make was that you know as much as much as everyone's in the uproar um you know we live in a society where people's already forgotten about this so no one pulled it off their shelves no no um no asian market decided to stop selling it um you know they're going to continue to sell those products um just like pepsi will continue to sell pepsi it's something that you get outraged with but um you know the buying power we have and the buying power in the um black community is still strong and unfortunately um it's not going to change overnight it's going to have to take a lot more than just one commercial ad and a couple of uh misquoted words to change that um because we've seen the history that doesn't really affect everyone i'm going to tell you guys what the real problem is and i'm about to uh, here's a here's the warning i'm about to age check a couple of you guys <laughs> <laughs> so what go ahead what so really you got ha- what really happened is that in their marketing department they had Marcus Graham in there. For those of you who don't know who Marcus Graham is, that is Eddie Murphy's character in Boomerang. Ah! Wow. Ah. <laughs> and and Marcus Graham was not happy with how he was being treated at work, and he was in charge of marketing, and he said, man, you guys do whatever you want to do <laughs> with, with Strong J. There you go. And, and he just left it to the to the uncola man the seven up man and that's how they ended up with grace jones coming out there naked giving birth to a perfume bottle birthing oh. a perfume tell, bottle. tell me what jay days and it, please and it, and it tell us terrible. that you are following hold on please jay days are you following follow it i mean yeah you know i know the movie boomerang <laughs> that sounds Have real sus, are, you, are, you, are you sure <laughs> <laughs> i do i know it yeah with eddie murphy yeah i mean he said yeah, that already I, I know it yeah yeah okay <laughs> I, ain't, but anyway. I ain't necessarily watched it you know um, i don't know what what classifies shame 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 oh my god Jay, come on Lord. man you gotta give me something you gotta help me out sometime man i knew it i knew it wow i knew it but but if if i had to guess and if i was a betting man i would say that there is an associate in the marketing department that they have not been treating the way they should having given them the proper raises and recognition and that person just said, "Okay, I'm gonna fix you guys." Hey, I saw. Let it go ahead I saw go. a picture. It was uh, I think it was Rachel Saldoza, whatever her last name was. As like she was like the marketing director. Like it was like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Talking about uh-huh. enthusiasm, yeah, whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, pretty funny. yeah. <laughs> but yo, these we are crazy. Right along, so we gonna let we gonna let Shay live for now, man. We gonna let Shay live for now. Hopefully, they've learned. Uh, a, a very valuable lesson when it comes to marketing and their core group and the message that they're trying to convey. Um, I want to move forward now that we've, you know, tackled some of our female listeners, you know, qualm with the show. Yes, ladies, we do take your fee- feedback and put it into action. Aha. Uh-huh, yes. Uh, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook, man, because, you know, the NBA playoffs going on right now. Russell Westbrook, he's, he's done at home. He's sitting at home after arguably one of the better MVP seasons in NBA history. He just broke the triple-double record held by Oscar Robinson by for, for how long? How many years? Forever in eternity. But he averages a triple-double for a season. 
82 games. And now he's sitting at home with the rest of us. And his team goes out the in the first round. I mean, what is next for Mr. Re- Mr. Westbrook? He's going to get paid for those records for the rest of his life because, you know, they... If I was told correctly, then maybe I'm wrong. And if any, if I am wrong, please uh, leave me a comment and correct me. But I believe that if you hold a record um, in any major sport, you get paid as long as it's not broken every year. So his victory is that consistent wow. check. Um, unfortunately, it was all for nothing, except that check he's going to get in the mail um, every year. I'm very curious how how much that would be. I, I'm I'm very curious. I wonder. A, if that's true, the merit of that, and then yeah, I wonder what the actual the the amount of money that that's that's awesome if that's true. I would I would you know assume there is some type of something associated with besides just you know the good feeling you get of being you know king of the year. I believe that came from the um the consistent while I was in Miami with the Dolphins, like they get a check every year if no one beats their perfect season. And um, you know, and, and Brett Favre gets a check for his, you know, his yards received or yards thrown, whatever. Um, so again, if you're on this podcast and I am incorrect, this is a great opportunity to uh, leave a comment <laughs> on the page. Uh, I just, I just want to know if the person that has the record for the most interceptions gets a check because I can probably break that one. <laughs> No, but seriously, guys. So this dude, he, he was with KD and James Harden for a number of years. And, you know, KD left last year. He's now with the Warriors doing his thing, you know. And Westbrook has always been, in my opinion, he's never been a point. He, he's not a point guard, you know. And it's, it's going to be super hard for him to ever assume that role. And now he's been given the keys to the castle. He, he has a team, probably not a championship caliber team. We all know that. But he has a team where he's the man. He don't have to defer to KD. He don't have to defer to James Harden or anybody else. And he just can't He can't get it done by himself. I would say that he's probably one of the most gifted athletes we've ever seen with what he's able to do. But as I talked about last week or week before, mm-hmm. your gift is not about you. It's about others, and if you make it about you, then you're being selfish, and some people would accuse him of being selfish with the ball, and I think that's the difference between a him and a Michael Jordan, Uh, and unfortunately, we have to compare him to the greatest ever, or even a LeBron. Um, Those guys try to make the people around them better, and I don't think he's doing that. He just goes out there with his raw gift and talent. And when thing comes down to, to the wire, he's going to take over. Everybody knows he's going to take over. So all you have to do is stop the one man. If he was actively out there making the other four guys on the court better, then you would create a more respect for the team overall. But right now, you only have to respect his game, and that's it. Everybody else is just whatever. Now, granted, I do think they need to get him some help, right. some, better ro- some better role players. But if he's going to ever become a champion, he's going to have to learn how to make others around him better using his gift. So, Kay, do you think that maybe he felt like he had to prove himself in some way? You know, because my man KD left, you know, people were leaving him high and dry. And now he's like, I am the man. Like, you know, he is that single dude while he has a team. But he, you know, people were coming down on OKC for a while. So it's like, do you think that maybe he just had to... Okay, this is what I'm about. Maybe this coming season, 
he'll do that or you think that like what do you think the mentality was behind that season no man because you know what proves everything to everybody a championship i mean yeah look at the day that's it look what happens no questions look what happened with um with James Harden when he left everyone was like oh man but he went to a team he showed where he was but he also was a team player but I think that um, and I think I may have told Diddy this a while ago or a couple of weeks ago I just think that he's he's emotional he's an emotional player and he when he gets his his, his zone he has the inability to see others around him and if something doesn't go right you know he's like that, that guy on the, on the basketball court that you know plays and plays hard but was not going his way, he takes his ball and go home. So that's what he successfully was able to do, all those points and all those triple doubles. But when you're trying to involve an entire team around you, you got to be able to check that emotion at the time and be able to control and see what's happening around you. And he'll be a legend just like Charles Barkley. Because I think Charles Barkley was the throwback version of Russell Westbrook. Super talented, played on a number of teams, but he never really made the people around him better. He got on some teams with some other players, but that's really it. And then when you look at the team, so this is a perfect segue into the meat of the meat of the podcast. When you look at the team, he he had to, he had to be, he had to be uh, that guy. He had to be Mr. Triple Double every night to make the team be as successful as they were. So, you know, taking that and carrying it over into the workplace, um, you know, one of the topics that we want to get into is relationships. And how those trans, uh, transfer into you being successful at work, being able to work together with a team, I guess being able to control your emotions within any environment or whatever may be happening uh, in your work, in your work environment so that you can see a certain level of success. I think, Carol, we've spoken about it before, man. I mean, I think that's one of your biggest gifts as a manager and as a person in life is your ability to, uh, you know, create and develop those relationships, those long lasting relationships to help other people, not just your, yourself, see success. And, and that's true. I, I think where we go wrong in the workplace is if you don't have a relationship with yourself, you can't expect anybody else to have a relationship with you. If you don't know why you're in the workplace and what it is you're trying to accomplish, and this ties into everything that we've been talking about you can't expect somebody else to figure those things out for you. So I think that's where relationships start wrong to begin with is people going to the workplace, expecting everything to be done for them. Yeah. I mean, you, you go into the workplace and you expect certain things, right? So looking at, I guess, uh, how people talk about millennials in the workplace and they go in and they, they just expect things to be handed to them or they, or they, that's the quote unquote, uh, stereotype. Where you just expect certain things to come from your employer where you don't have to put in a certain level of work or build a certain level of trust or, or engagement to be able to have those things bestowed upon you. I think that's that's really important when, it, when you talk about forming those relationships. Uh, you know, I think that's really important when you talk about building those relationships is the time spent when actually getting to know the team that you're supposed to be leading. You have to make personal connections and when I say personal I don't mean you know you know what the person's favorite color is or you know what type of wine they like but you have to make a connection with the people that you work with because you have to know what's important to them if you don't know what's important to the people that you work with and vice versa 
you're never going to have a successful working environment. And a lot of times what's happened today is we've made the number so important over everything else or that bottom line result is what's important. Nobody's really investing the time now in the other things because, hey, if, if it doesn't work out with you, uh, employee ID number 00284, then I'll just go get employee 00285 and they'll and they'll produce. But will they produce? Uh, because I think that's that's something that people or maybe some some managers may not be taking into consideration is that uh, that human capital within your employees. There's a lot of things that come with some of your employees as far as experience and functional expertise and just industry knowledge that you just can't replace with a Joe Schmo with a brand new employee ID number. Agreed. But people take the gamble and they play the odds and if you get that person in that self-driven that you really don't have to do that much with you don't have to put that much time into developing that person that's self-driven is going to take you a little bit further than number 284 that you just got rid of and then you maximize what you can get out of 285 and once you're done with 285 all right you can either stay here for the next 30 years or you can move on uh, if, if you look at it, that's the way they say to be successful in the workplace now, right? You don't stay at one place for 30 years. You stay at one place for two to three years and then you take your talents elsewhere. And that's how you keep building your salary and what you make. And I think the main reason behind that, though, is the corporate mindset, because the corporate mindset doesn't necessarily value that employee. So if you're somebody who's looking to level up and continuously level up, you're stuck with two options. And if the corporate or corporation that you are employed at is not providing you the same opportunity that you can get elsewhere, at the end of the day, if the corporation has their best interests at heart, why wouldn't I as the employee have my best interests at heart? So yeah, they're not, they're not like employers don't take the time to align the visions and the values of their employees with the visions and the values of the employee or the companies because the companies and the values are already set. You know, we are, they are, you can read those on a, on a board somewhere in the office. But if you take the time to ask the employee, hey, what is it that you want out of life? You know, where do you want to go? What is it that you want to do and say, OK, actually, your values and your vision is not too far from ours. This is exactly what we're trying to do. Help. How about you help me do that? And then I'll help you do yours as well. And if you have that type of relationship with your employer, I don't care if the business just blew up down the street and it's, and you know, everybody's flocking there. I love where I'm working because they care about me. You know what? But that starts. That starts in the interview. And we make a mistake when we go in and think that I'm the only person being interviewed. Exactly. No, I'm interviewing you as a potential employer exactly. as well. No, you yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and what when I interview somebody, if they have no questions at the end of the interview, then you're probably not going to get hired because I know that you're not taking the time to find the right place for you. You're just trying to land anywhere to get a check. And no, I want you to definitely invest and make sure that you're landing in the right place because I might not be the right employer for you. You might be the right employee for me, but I might not be the right employer for you. I think that that comes to something that I was talking to one of my senior director of operations um, about maybe two weeks ago, we were talking about interviewing because, you know, we're in this ramp time now. And, uh, you know, the first interview is the company trying to sell themselves on on you. 
Uh, but the second interview as a company is me trying to, to tell you, trying to make sure you fit us. So everything I'm doing is to get you to walk away from the job. And if everything still fits where at the end of the, at the, end of the interview, you still want to be a part of this company, then we know you're right fit. But I'm going to tell you everything that we do day in, day out, that's going to make you think if you can handle this and this, the culture is right for you. And you got to have that self-awareness that it's just not about the dollar. It's about me. It's about if I can fit in where I, I get in. And can I grow? If you want to grow, can I grow here? Because some places you go to, there is no growth, but all you see is that dollar. Um, and you can't move forward from there, but there are some times where you can go in one place in the same company and go to a whole different state and grow, you know, exponentially. But you got to be able to take that chance and move around. And millennials have that, that option now to pack up and move, you know, no family, no kids, no, just get up and go and go to another state and increase themselves. Um, it tends to be those who get stuck, that middle generation right now, who was, who's focused on, oh, I've already planted my roots, I'm afraid to go somewhere by myself. Those are the ones that get stuck in that circular motion where they're now just employee 248 or whatever number you used before. That's that plus you have. Our generation got stuck because that's how we learned. We were told, mm-hmm. hey, you go to school. You get that corporate job and you live there forever. That's what you do. That is that is the system. That's how you play it. And now, um, you know, the, the Internet allowing people to see that there's so much opportunity and there's so many different things that you can do has started to create that shift that lets people know that, you know what, it is OK for me to switch careers or it is OK for me to try to um, leverage my expertise in order to get a better position, you know, in a different company. But it's also about leaders slash managers being able to the best ones can make everybody feel that they're being led the same everybody feels equal but yet everybody is being led differently because that that leader that manager understands and has the time to have that you know one-on-one understanding of just like carol said what is it that motivates you specifically so that i can get you to get the things that we as a group collectively need done and, and that's where the true expertise comes in and being able to understand how do you uh, maneuver and position the ability to, to let all of your employees still feel that, wow, my, my manager, my boss, whoever treats, you know, everybody so good, but still have that personal relationship of feeling like, but he also gets me in and knows what's the um, what, what motivates me, what gets me inspired, what can help me, you know, accomplish what we need to do collectively as a company. So, like, do y'all think, uh, okay, quick question, as a millennial and as one who had, has, has had multiple jobs, um, loyalty, do you think that you should be loyal to a company or do you think you should be, like, loyal to yourself? <laughs> and I see I see a room for improvement, so I'm going to go ahead and hop on that. Or do you think, okay, I've been rocking with this company for a year. They haven't done me wrong. I should stay where I'm at. Because we might have some millennials that's listening and they might want to, they might be ready to be leaving too. You know what I mean? I don't know. So, I think self-loyalty is definitely the first, like you need to be loyal to yourself. But I think the biggest issue comes in so many people don't understand themselves and, and have their values in order to understand what they're being loyal to. Just because you're getting a check doesn't mean that that job is doing great by you. You know, it's really about understanding what are your goals, what past, you know, just this year or just getting this check or is really important to you and being able to 
to weigh that in the greater scheme of things to understand that hey just because i'm getting a check doesn't necessarily mean that this is great for my life and that this is you know the end all be all but at the same time it is about understanding that hey maybe um the opportunity that the company presents and where the growth can go means that you need to uh you know hold stronger to the the loyalty that the company has has put on you so for me I think it should be mutually beneficial um, to a to a degree. Um, you know, I'm 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 currently, you know, in a position, you know, in my job where, you know, I think they give me enough and I'm pretty sure that I give them, you know, enough, you know, back. But I think it has to be mutually beneficial. But I also think this question is very subjective because as uh, fresh hit on a little bit, you have to know who you are. and You have to know what you want first, the company and then have that aligned with the company because nine times out of 10, your employer at the end of the day is going to do what's in their best interest, no matter what the situation is. And I mean, it's great. You you kind of give yourself a little bit more rope depending on, you know, how much of a relationship you, how many relationships you've built or what relationships, the extent of those relationships. But when it comes from moving from job to job, I definitely think uh, it should be some sort of mutual uh, benefit. I think people need to stop dividing their hourly wage or their salary by the number of hours worked it needs to be divided by your life value what is this job adding to my life value how is this developing me as a person how is this helping me provide for my family and when i say provide for my family i don't just mean from a monetary standpoint but what is your quality of life you know, how, how, how is it helping for the generations that come after you? And you just can't look at it from a monetary standpoint. You have to look at it from a from a, a, a core value standpoint. We talked about core values last week on the podcast. But how does this help build my foundation of my core values when my child grows up and becomes an adult? What can they look back on as the example that I set through my working career? that provided for them that now they'll think about that when they're going to seek employment and it's it's totally different if you think about the older generation they had the mindset of you're lucky to have a job and now we're in a situation where if you look there's jobs out there for everybody it just depends it it just depends if you want to do it or not and for some of you that $35,000 job is going to make you happier than that $350,000 job. You might think that $350,000 job is going to get you what you want, but you're going to be so stressed out and you're going to die before your time because of the stress level. And then it's just a it's just a continuing cycle after that. So that's something that you really got to challenge yourself and figure out what's more important to you. Yeah, I'm going to try a lot of people realize I mean, I, I believe you. I believe you. But I'm going to try that 350 out. You know, see what that's talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, get a couple checks in. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I done got I'm one check in. I don't think this is for a, me, guys. I'm going to get that. I'm going to just at least do an annual review. And then I might go to that 35. <laughs> you know, the, the funny hey, Mark, thing so about. You hit on something uh, a little bit earlier when you was talking about growth. And I mean, I think that's that's pretty important, too, especially when you talk about when you throw in scenarios such as the glass ceiling, when you look at, you know, the rat race to get to the top and, you know, you yourself being uh, not necessarily a corporate man, but you've worked in a corporate environment for some time at Jamba Juice. And I'm pretty sure you've experienced 
these things on a certain level. Carol, same situation. I, I would throw it to Fresh, but you know, you you self entrepreneur since pimping's been pimping, you know. So I can't. I don't know how much you'll be able to add. But because I'm out here grinding. All right, I want to ask you, man. So the glass ceiling, dealing with the rat race. What was that like for you? If you had, to, did you have to deal with that at Jamba Juice? Um, you know what? No, I, I don't think I I did, and only because uh, I always saw the next steps. And I think we talked about this probably back in one or two. Um, I I did the whole three year plan, and, and I always knew that I was okay to leave if I had to. Um, and I, I had good leaders that saw potential in me and saw that you know. I didn't have to wait for them to die, quote unquote, to move up. Um, there was other ways around the uh, the ladder versus going straight up. I can get the escalator <laughs> or the elevator and get to the next level. Um, so there there wasn't that. I've seen it happen. I've seen people get pigeonholed into a position, um, mostly because of them and they're comfortable, um, but also because their actions. I mean, your actions speak louder than you can even talk, and your reputation 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 um can hold uh it's okay keep that in there um that can hold um hold higher than you so there are some friends and employees that you know no matter what name they said and no matter what was and who was a new ceo or who's a new vp your name said something and that made them oh no this person can't they can't do that they can't go any further um so as you build relationships and you build you build um your your personal brand um that speaks for you and that, that's what keeps you going forward. So no matter what's happening or no matter who comes in and out, your brand will shine uh, even before you get to the room. They know who you are. And that's when you're able to grow. Um, that's why I've been here for 14 years. It's not because I'm comfortable. It's because I see the next steps. And, and there will be a point, and I know I have some of my guys listening on the call, um, that art will step away. Um, but at this point in time now, I see joy and I see success in helping others. And I'm also um, building my personal brand so that the connections I build with all the owners, the the leaders, the CEOs, um, I'll have that resource when I'm ready to you know, move forward. Well, what about you, Carol? Man, you've been, you know, I've worked with you, worked for you. Uh, you've been big on development and growth, and you've helped a lot of people get past their own, you know, I guess internal levels of success. And you've helped people get past what they may have viewed as the glass ceiling how are you able to do that i think what happens is in any situation you go into uh i think we talked about that that test with the monkeys trying to climb the ladder to get the bananas right we talked about that right so i i think in every work environment there are some monkeys there that have tried to climb the ladder to get the banana and they got hit with the water and at this point now there's no more water but they're still there telling you what's going to happen if you try to climb the ladder so for me i've never listened to the monkeys because i knew who i was and i knew what i was coming in to do so there was never a glass ceiling for me there was some people that are trapped in a glass box that they created that's so yeah that's what i'm trying to get to because i don't necessarily know that the glass ceiling actually exists man i think it's something that we create in our minds and just because of our circumstances at our specific employers we may feel like i there's just no progression or i can't get past it but our phase on you said it perfectly your personal brand will speak loudly enough for you to get past certain levels um that glass ceiling it, if you feel like it exists um 
is it time for for you to make a change on your own? You know, maybe there is no more growth here at this particular place, but that doesn't mean growth stops for you at that place. And that brings me to, you know, my next point when it comes to embracing change versus creating change. There's two books that I read some time ago. Um, One of them is called Who Moved My Cheese? And the other one is called I Moved Your Cheese. And they both are centered around uh, change. Now, Who Moved My Cheese? That book is basically trying to get you to accept change, be embracing of it, and go with the flow, do what you need to do to make this change work for you. I Moved Your Cheese basically talks about you creating the change that you want to see and not necessarily taking anybody else's or taking what somebody else has for you. Um, and I, I read those books at a, a time in my life when I, we talked about it on the biocast when I was in St. Petersburg and I was, you know, I just left Miami. I'm in between jobs. I'm working at Target and reading that book is actually made me is actually what made me jump to CarMax at the time because I didn't want to feel reading. I moved your cheese made me jump to CarMax at the time because I didn't I wanted to feel like I was in control of my life, not somebody else was dictating what steps that I needed to take. Now, even though I think there are two mindsets that you definitely have to have working in any corporate environment, there really comes a point in time where you have to figure out which one is most important to you. And I feel like the you creating your own change, that'll get you to a certain level of success or sustainable success, because you're always going to be in control no matter what those extenuating circumstances are with that um so i I think that that's interesting you say you say that because and some of us that are out here right now listening and some of us who are listening to this in the future um you're being told by by your superiors by your friends you know hey i i think it's time for you to to change i think i think you're you're you've got bigger things out there i think you can do bigger things um you know what's next for you and you weren't thinking, and I, I'm also guilty of this process, that I'm not thinking, okay, what's next? I'm like, yeah, I want to do this, and this is my goal for my current position. Um, but, you know, I've been, I've been told several times, oh, yeah, um, no, don't get settled here. Always keep your options open. Always be ready to go. And these are people that, you know, have mentored me, those who are, are peers with me, those who are below me, um, that all say this. So sometimes you have to open your ears and listen to what's around you because the universe will put out there that it's time for you to step aside and and you might miss the opportunity if you aren't looking um unless you are focused on something else that's coming your way you know that's the, that's a step forward so you know just know where you are and be able to either move your cheese or wait for somebody to move it for you um but you gotta be, keep your ears open at all times um or you're gonna miss the opportunity i think Especially as an entrepreneur, one of the the biggest thing I I see or biggest mistakes I see people who are in uh, the corporate environment get caught up in is believing that they are, you know, not a a number at the end of the day. If it is not your company, if you are not the CEO, the, the, the head person in charge, people get so caught up in thinking that, you know, what they did yesterday really matters at the end of the day. I've seen people who have changed total companies be fired the day after, you know, they made all the most amazing accomplishments for that company, that it's it's understanding until you have your own. You need to have that ability, just as Art was stating, to to understand, see and pay attention to what's available and not get caught up 
in your loyalty to a check or to a company falsely without truly understanding unless you are the one who is at the top of the food chain you are always a notch on the belt and have the ability to be expendable and so don't get caught with your pants down yep everyone's always everyone is replaceable there's no position no matter how high or how low um it's not replaceable it may take you longer to get there because your role is important but trust and believe that everyone is replaceable at some point in time so yeah guys i mean for all our listeners we covered a lot of stuff when it comes to you know being successful in the workplace and this is all coming from people who have seen different levels of of success whether it be entrepreneurship whether it be senior level management whether it be in a 14-year company guy but these are all things that we've kind of uh, taken to navigate those areas that we feel like would be useful for, for you all listening today. So take take uh, notice, take take it into consideration. And I definitely do recommend those books. I Moved Your Cheese. I personally like that one better. But Who Moved Your Cheese is pretty good too, man. Take a listen. They're really short. They're like maybe 80, 90 pages. You can read it in like 30 minutes. But it'll give you a different uh, perspective or help kind of like give you a different outlook on how you want to navigate, not necessarily, not only in, in your job, but also through life. Before we get out of here, fellas, and I'm going to go to Carol for his closing in just a second, but we've almost forgot to talk about draft day. And it's a lot of dudes out there that just made a lifelong dream come true. Mm-hmm. What's, y'all, what's y'all take on, on, the, on the draft? Philadelphia did it right. So I'm an Eagles fan too, and I don't know if we necessarily did it right. The defensive end that we picked in the first round, he definitely isn't. He doesn't have the makings of a superstar on paper. Right. But we but I might be wrong. Tom Brady was drafted in this Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. So Oh, I wasn't saying the draft. I was literally saying we did the entire draft right. As far as the location, the setup, the the flow, the oh, view, man, get out of here. we hosted it. <laughs> we so hosted hilarious. it well. New York City did it for a couple years in a, that in is a, such a random in a ballroom. Just to let you guys know, well, no, the arena where New York the City did it for so long and did the same. And I don't know if you guys place. noticed the lights and the table settings. Did you see and the tablecloths in Philadelphia? <laughs> they were fantastic. It was it was a we it was set up right. The Hall of Fame was down there. They brought it in the museum. Um, no, they did it on the Philly Museum, so it was it was good. It was a real, um, it was a good showcase. Philly, it's such Philly a classy event. Thing, I mean, Shout I mean, just Philly, oh, oh, Philly, shout to Philly, go Philly, of Philadelphia. Right. So Motown, you, you, you spoke on it. Uh, Tom Brady, he got drafted like in the sixth round. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I really wanted him to get drafted to Tampa Bay, even though we got that tight end out of Alabama. I'll take him, but Dalvin Cook fell into the second round and. It's amazing to me how I think it was a report that came out like right beforehand or right before the draft, like Friday or something on Yahoo. And it basically talked about all of his like adolescent troubles and things of that nature. And he just fell from like a high. He should have. He was probably going to be the first running back taken out of the draft. And he falls to the second round. I will tell you that maybe, maybe that report came out on Yahoo, but it wasn't something that was not known. Yeah, they knew right. what time it was because because a lot of college recruiters passed on him for the same because reasons. of because of his yep. middle his middle school issues that he had. So if they knew, trust me, the NFL knew. And again, that just goes to show 
you have to be so careful about what you participate in, what you expose yourself to, because you never know what the constant the consequences repercussions are going to be. So he's potentially missed out on millions of dollars up front in his career. Right. Don't get me don't get me wrong. He he, he may get that money back once he proves yep. I'm not gonna have off the field issues. I'm I'm a stable, consistent producer. He never had any issues at Florida State as far as I know. And the way he was dogging people, that I think they played Michigan in the bowl game, right? And the way he dogged Michigan, like just his whole career, like I, I really feel, I really felt bad that so many teams passed over him. But it's just fuel for the fire, baby. I know he's gonna go out there and you know be the next, hopefully be the next AP for the Minnesota Vikings. Though. I was going to go back into um, Carol speaking on the fact that you're, you know, what you are doing now will follow you and haunt oh, yeah. you and create issues later on especially with social media this is something that especially millennials need to hold and grasp onto the understanding of even though you've had that four year span of doing great I still remember those eight years previously ago and have the the evidence of seeing you know how foolish and um thoughtless you you were back then and it takes a lot longer to be able to regain that trust in 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 uh understanding of how responsible you can be once it is lost so that is exactly what he is facing now and having to work even harder to prove his worth and value because of something that was you know when he was at the end of the day a a child really a child because if you're um you know talking about something that happened in middle school you who who is really thinking or, or has any type of real you know sense when you're in middle school and so it's definitely a real poignant way to see and understand how what you do today can affect your tomorrow. And that, and I, I, that's what, like, like you said, like he was a child. So like, at what point? I'm sorry, hey, yo, I'm, I'm gonna let you go. All right, but I, I got it. Feels that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna let you go, know. Taylor. But uh, Beyonce won that award. <laughs> 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 no, but I just because uh, what. Like, at what point do you just kind of, like, realize that kids are going to be kids? Don't get me wrong. I completely agree. Uh, what you do today is definitely going to dictate your tomorrow. It's like, strongly influences your tomorrow. So, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But at the same time, my man, I don't know, you know, if he did it in middle school or if he, even if he did it in high school. But if all throughout his college career, he was, you know squeaky clean obviously he was you know a good student and trying to be there for the team and then you look at something he did in you know high school middle school it's like are you just trying to find reasons or like that's not the same person um, that we are today like i'm not the same you man want, I was you, you want a real ago. answer on that if if you're talking about dealing with millions of dollars in franchises and in all of the 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 what you have the the opportunity to mess up is not worth that 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 roll of the dice you know because how many athletes period have been given that opportunity with you know with less people who had zero issues throughout their whole career and were amazing you know from middle school all the way through college and then got their chance and then had some type of head case issue that that's what it is 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 just the fact that there's that that shaded area I can't mess up, you know, this is billions of dollars, like a, a, a huge, you know, chain that is going on past 
thinking, you know, just, you know, oh, well, we should give this guy an opportunity. It's because of the bigger picture. And that's the same way it is in a corporation. You know, oh, yeah, you know, he was just a wild and crazy kid. That's why he was doing stuff and all that. Hmm. Do I want to take the, the chance of giving this, you know, yeah, well, yeah, the last four years he's been great. But now, well, yeah, but do I like, really want to take the chance okay. on that money? Do I really want to? I feel, I'm not, I feel it, but okay, that's what but it boils like, down to. That's like, do you think there should be like a stipulation, like they can go, like like the statute of limitation? You know what I mean? Like they can go back only, but so once far, it's, once it's I out don't. there though. But when, once it's out there, yeah, it's it out is. There. It's public knowledge. So you know, he 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 did it. It's done. You know, he his record has probably been squeaky clean up through high school or whatever. Once he moved from wherever he was to where, once he moved from middle school to high school or whatnot. At this point. Dalvin, it's on you. Show and prove, man. Like he has to go out there and be that model citizen. The same way Jameis, when he left and he had the the uh, issues when right before he left Florida State, you got to go out there stealing crabs. Yeah, stealing crabs, yelling expletives, <laughs> all of that stuff. You got to go out there and you know be that model citizen. Hopefully, with him going to the Vikings, and uh, I mean, I, I think Chris Carter is probably still very involved, especially with the rookies and stuff. Uh, he he has those role models that'll keep him on, you know, that straight and narrow, uh, while he's going through his career. So, I think I can sum up everything we just said in seven words. Your personal brand is bigger than you. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to hey, know, man. Before we get out of here, before we get out of here, and I'm gonna give Carol his last word, man. Remember, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, so you can stay updated with 13th Floor. Check out the website, www.flagology.com. Parting our, our feathers while we go through Fresh is going and creating, you know, this amazing, phenomenal website for the team. But definitely once we get it up and going, we want you to check it out and send us your email. Send us, you know, your, your topic. Send us your feedback. Leave comments on the podcast. You can email us at info at You will get a response. That way we know what, what you're thinking and what you may want to hear. And if you have opportunities for our man Carol to come and speak at, just let us know. We'll be definitely down to do that. Coach K, the prolific one. What you got for the people? Uh, before I get to the people, um, I have a message for Dalvin Cook personally. Somebody out there knows him, and I want to make sure that this message gets to him. What you're going through right now is what happens when you're from Miami and you go to Florida State instead of coming to the U. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Yes. yeah. You tell him. Tell yes. him. Yes. You went to the wrong school. Kaya did get drafted. He's going to... Uh, Sandy. He's going to the Lions. He's oh, going to, to the Lions. Detroit, Detroit Lions. He's going over there okay, with um. Okay. Shout out to Kai. I know I tied with Al. With Al. Al picked him up. Okay. Al picked him up. But yeah. So so for those other uh, athletes out there in high school from the Miami area, just just know if you go to Florida State and <laughs> you help Florida State beat us many years in a row, <laughs> this is the type of thing that happens to you. Now, for the rest of the people out there, uh, I'm sorry, man. I had to get that. I had to get that out of it. No, that was perfect, out. man. That was perfect. Yeah, because everybody was all dialed in and thinking I was going somewhere serious with it, and I am, and I am serious, but <laughs> not a close out. So, talking about the workplace, and again, I, I want to highlight a lot of you going there, and you want to fraternize and make good friends with the monkeys that 
are going to tell you all the reasons why you're not going to make it and why it doesn't make sense for you to put forth the effort. And at the end of the day, if you're wondering who moved your cheese, you never had cheese to begin with because the people that you chose to associate with when you got there, they 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 took your cheese before you started on day one. So my, my advice to you is, is that when you are in the workplace, find yourself a mentor early in the process that can help guide you and can make sure that you'll never be in an artificial box that doesn't exist. You'll never hit a glass ceiling. And at the end of the day, some of you, you out there worried about cheese and you don't need to be on the dairy anyway. You probably need to be looking for almond milk right now. And if you don't go back and align yourselves with your personal values and and, 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 and what's important to you and what's going to be important for the generations to come, then you're going to be in the wrong place and you might be there for a long time and walk out with nothing. Or you might be asked to leave and still have nothing. So, again, going back to core values, going back to I'm the one, only you can decide if your employer is the right person for you and if you're the right person for your employer. Don't leave it to the interview. You decide that. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, you can catch us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening to your podcast. We are there. But that's the show. I'd like to thank you all for listening here with us on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Views are amazing. Amazing. Can you be amazed? Shout out to the Deltas. Chapter. That's it. All that. All that. All that.